This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. In a world where people all over enjoy bad movies every day, one podcast decides to lower itself enough to admit we kind of like bad movies too. It's Bacon Sale. Whoa! Wow! Thank you, Zach. My oh, welcome to Bacon Sale. I'm Joel. Time right now. I'm Kent, and I'm new. Hi, I'm Zach. Hey, new. new. Would you say new? You, no. You've been I've on, been here before. How many shows would you say you've been on? Four or five. That's a lie. I Every think annual show. You've been the scorekeeper on That's a couple true. shows. That's true. Yeah. And by the Out way, a scorekeeper Cropper. on our weird episodes where we yeah, go through a weird Jacob, adventure. Yeah, Jacob's makes going on a weird adventure. I got yeah. progressively less important as a scorekeeper when those as those episodes <laughs> went on. <laughs> by the end, you're like, I'm just here to listen to you, aren't I, Jacob? But have we ever had you as a guest host? Yes, we I, have. Um, one time. Episode 166, Cable Oh, don't say racing. that like you didn't research it right before the show. <laughs> yes, I had one opportunity. But I have never been like a proper like guest on the show. So I have never been asked the, the standard questions nope. and no, I will never answer them. I will never answer them. He's, He's not going to, I have to remain impartial. Oh, that's true. Do you? Yes. Jacob okay. Never did. <laughs> well, he always did. He said, you know, I agree with you this time and I agree with you this time. If you, well, there was that time when he was like, I agree like, with you, Kent. If, if that's your opinion, then some people may like it. <laughs> We miss you, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's, he's not listening. Thank you guys for the invite. I really appreciate it. Yes. I mean, obviously, I, there's no replacing Jake, but anyway, I'm here. But we're yeah. here. I was going to say we're here in the baking cave. Literally have wiped down everything, are staying far apart from each other, yeah. recording at a distance, and we're hoping this is good. I appreciate yeah. that you installed the same plexiglass that they now have at all the checkout stalls at the uh, yeah. grocery store. Well, you know, it wasn't very expensive. No, it's made a diamond. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, nothing's getting through that. But we'd like to thank you for listening to our last show. Uh, we, like we said, we want to keep these shows going for as long as possible. We can keep you entertained during this time when you're stuck indoors listening. They're to here for entertainment, then here for us, so that we can still talk to each other. Yes. Sometimes. So while there's crazy stuff going on out in the world, we're going to keep things pretty light and fluffy here in the Bacon Cave. That's what we do. That's what we do. But last show we talked about binge watching uh, during quarantine. <laughs> so keep it light and fluffy. <laughs> Uh, All my shows were light and fluffy. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, Kent. Yeah, everything was dark. Even your comedy was dark. Uh, Tyler Harrison (laughs) said, although you guys have mentioned it in the past and and referenced it in in the show, I didn't notice an explicit shout out to community. I'm looking forward to binging it, especially since it will be available on April 1st. And truth be told, by the time you're listening to this, Community is on Netflix. Oh. It's about time. Has it ever been on Netflix? I didn't know that. I think it was. It's been on Hulu, obviously. It was on Prime, maybe? I I, I think this is the first time. Yeah. But Uh, now is the time to watch the show. Absolutely. Also, Nicole D. Hale said, I love that Jacob mentioned Star Trek Next Gen, but you have to plow through the first season. Another one of those where the first season's not great. Yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen it, it gets good when Riker finally gets the beard. So oh, facial hair makes the difference. I, Riker has a beard. I love when there are those moments in shows where you can definitively say, here's where to start. For example, you talked about Parks and Rec. Like, I always just tell people, just go to the episode where Rob Lowe shows up. Then you can start from there. That's no, the one. No, 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 Isn't no, that no. a little bit late? That's a little bit nah. later. Because Greg Pakaitis is my, like, I love. That's like, true. That's true. It was a good point. That, but, that's true. Yeah. Uh, and then Stephen Ross said, I love the Top Gear guys. Yes, you three have the same chemistry. So he oh, just so think, you were right. That yeah. was a good take. Thank that you. Really Zach, was. Have you seen the show? Yeah. Do I need? I, would I like the show? It's a buddy cop comedy. I think it's not like a car cl- show. The thing is, I think mm. you'd like the parts, like clips I sent you, because, yeah. like I said, it's a ba- it's a great background show. Okay. So just thirty it, seasons, no big deal. But that's just it. it just, you just put it on the background and do whatever, and it just keeps going and going and going. The mm. challenges, the challenges yeah. are why you go. And then just like pretty pictures of cars, and then the cool challenges. Yeah. And then Brandon James Gehrig, he added to that, and he said, "I second Stephen, and yes, the chemistry checks out." So apparently, okay. we're that. 
And then finally, I wanted to read this one here. This is from Effie Johnson Van Noy. She said, a really great kid show to binge is Bluey on Disney+. Plus. My four-year-old giggles more when she watches that show than any other. A small caveat, it made me feel to- totally inadequate in my ability to play make-believe with my kids. So, oh, okay. oh, well, that's why you're having him watch TV. So it kills that drive to do any make-believe. <laughs> so Wait, well, thank I, you, TV, and thank you, binge-watching. I just want to make sure we get a couple kid recommendations out there because I realize a lot of people are going to have to watch a lot of shows with their kids. And yeah. so the more we get out there, Frozen oh, 2, again oh. and again. And my favorite, I, I hate to say pick a favorite comment, but this definitely was the one that made me laugh the hardest. And it was Stephen Ross who said, how did Kent make the mainstream pick still hipster? I love the Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah. Is that hipster? It totally is. It's one of the most recognized shows of all time. But I think it's 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 not anymore. It's because people aren't cultured enough to watch it. Uh, the only time people are watching it nowadays is when it's on sci-fi on uh, New Year's on Eve. On the marathon. And so yeah, right. it's all day marathon. But I it's, one it's on every streaming service. Watch but it now. But it's still hipster because Kent, it was, it's, it's black, black and white. And white. It's old. <laughs> it's like people being like, oh, you watched old Cheers. And I'm like, yeah, you should see what Kent's watching. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. still watch it yeah become but an elitist like me but that's not what we're talking about today what are we talking about today zach today we're talking about our favorite movies that scored kind of low on the rotten tomatoes tomato meter yes this Hold on, did we just get an actual description of what the show is going to be we about did. <laughs> <laughs> we miss you jake <laughs> uh he's not he's not listening uh but he's definitely not we got listening. this idea uh, from jordan rex it was his patron idea actually yeah. he yeah, said great idea so here it is, a top 10 list of movies that each of you actually enjoy, and I would love to hear some Jacob picks. Sorry, Jordan, you're going to get Zach picks. Yeah. Uh, that all have 50% or lower rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Another twist is that they could be ranked as number 10 being the closest to 50% and number 1 being closest to 0%. So it's not as if it's our favorite bad movie of all time. We're not putting the, like, building up to our favorite. It's, it's to just, the lowest. It's like a golf score. We're going for the lowest score for our number we're one. We're going to get down to the lowest score we have. And he said 10 here, but we were like, oh, if there's three of us, 10 is a lot. So we actually, we were going to do six, but we realized that would be six, six, six. Yeah, it's so a bad time to, to really no, 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 summon no. anything. Yeah, we're not doing that. Not so we did, that. We, did seven, <laughs> we did seven each. Yeah. So we each have seven picks and ranging in score from how high did you guys go? Higher than you, I went 40% would be my highest one. Wow. Zach, what about you? What's your highest um, I started below 50, but I have a fair amount in like the 20s region. Okay. So. And Joel? My highest is 22%. Wow. Whoa. Oh, who's hipster now? I'm not hipster. I just have bad taste in movies, apparently. <laughs> well, we knew that. Well, like most of these are like before the time that uh, Rotten Tomatoes was created. So they're retroactively rated. Yeah, which very was few 1998 ratings. was when it was created. Well, here's here's the thing. Like, for example, listen, if you don't know what Rotten Tomatoes is, they take a bunch of scores uh, that people submit yeah. and put them as an aggregate. as an aggregate score of like, okay, these, this is a positive view. This is a negative view. This has more positive than negative. Ergo, yes. this is blank percent. With deceptive methodology, sure. But let's say that someone goes back and watches... Let's in an imaginary world, someone goes back and watches Gone with the Wind. Yes. And there's one person on there and he says, This is a terribly boring long movie, negative review. Mm-hmm. That now has a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, crazy, right? And let's say like five people go back there and say they don't like it. And but one person says they like it. It's now at like five percent. So you get good movies, but they're just rated wrong because they have not a lot and of reviews. Someone, probably the staff or staff at Rotten Tomatoes, are finding these reviews or they're being submitted and they are making those now canon for the Rotten Tomato score. Yeah. And a lot of these movie choices that we may choose, maybe half of them on each of our list, maybe all of them on Joel's, were <laughs> probably 80s or 90s movies before Rotten Tomatoes ever existed. Pretty so, much. And now you probably have anywhere from 150 to 250 critic reviews for each new movie. Right. Uh, a lot of these movies we'll talk about may have around 30 because yeah. it was before that day. 
There and the other thing I want to point out too is it's not very easy to find just a list of all the movies that are on no, Rotten Tomatoes no. from you know hundred percent to zero percent. Yeah. Uh, but Kent found a very handy list mm-hmm. that just kind of had not fully comprehensive, by the way. No. So that's why I wanted to point out is this is not like we scoured the web and there's probably some more all the movies. Yeah, and there's probably some we're forgetting. So if you know of one that ranks lower but is still a good movie, let us know. I hate doing a show on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't want to belabor the point that I've talked about in every single episode of Bacon Cell. Yep. But they, they essentially choose for 50% of the reviews that come in don't have a rotten or, or fresh rating that the mm-hmm. critic sends in. The staff at Rotten Tomatoes chooses. Yeah. And Rotten Tomatoes is owned by Fandango, which is there to sell movie tickets. Well, and I, I became very disillusioned with Rotten Tomatoes when they suddenly decided that... The Captain you, Marvel stuff? Well, when user reviews just kind of got pushed aside, they're like... Okay, where'd you buy your movie ticket? Prove that you saw this movie. And I'm like, well, why so, would I read yeah, it? You they, took away, they took away the erase 50,000 want to see scores for yep. Captain Marvel because at a low want to see score. And then they got rid of want to see altogether after mm-hmm. that. And then they took away you had to buy a ticket through them to ever add a user review, like you said. Well, it's like if you put your review on there, you can put a review on there, but it's just going to be hidden. It won't unless, be seen. Unless you uh, are like buy it from an approved source. Right. Because like I'll literally I'll watch something on streaming and then I'll go okay I'm gonna put a review on Rotten Tomatoes and it's like where'd you buy your ticket and I'm like other because it was at home it wasn't at Fandango or Cin-. and it's like Fandango and then Cinemark coming soon yes AMC coming soon like and then yeah they have other and I click that every time and I'm like my review's never gonna be shown and at this point they're only erasing review bombs. So negative user reviews, they keep the shills on the site. Mm-hmm. So they think, oh, no one will give a fake positive review. Even though in previous shows, I've read a lot of Russian reviews yeah. that you can tell are not really... English is not yeah. the first language or it's a bot. That's what's annoying, too, is a lot of people are like, you know, don't judge a book before its cover on these movies. How dare you? It's going to be the best movie ever. How dare you judge this movie before it comes out? It's going to be so great. I'm like... Five stars. You're, you're giving it a positive review before seeing it? That's just as bad as giving it a negative review before seeing and, it. Or not yes. as bad. I actually think it's fine. People can say they're going to hate a movie. People have can say expectations. Love it's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But they don't want that. They don't want negative that. Right. But what we're doing here is we're not saying these are the greatest movies. Some of them will defend to the <laughs> death. But these are our favorite, our favorite low scoring movies on Rotten Tomatoes. My process was to go through the list that Ken sent. Uh, it was just this random like. Uh, went to like the 10s to the 20s. It's like www.cs.ubc.ca. <laughs> Uh, Good site. There's other stuff after that. Don't just type that in. I'll just take you to some university, whatever site. <laughs> but uh, I went through and I just started at the bottom and I scrolled up until I saw a movie and went, that shouldn't be on there. Oh, crap. I better add it. But there were some you knew should be on there, right? Yeah. Like Batman and Robin was on there. Oh, and I course. was like, it was one of the, you know, I can't remember how, actually, I, I should know how much it was. It was Probably like 70% or something like oh, that. Oh, it's that low. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very aware of okay. where that yeah, one is. Yeah, save it because we'll be oh. talking about these movies, Joel. Well, yeah, but I, it was more along the lines of I saw that and went, yeah, it kind of belongs there. But there was literally ones on here where I went, no, 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 that doesn't belong in here. And that's how I compiled my list. Oh, there's not a single one that I thought, oh, no, that shouldn't be there. They were all like, that's pretty bad. I like that movie. <laughs> so, Zach, speak a couple of, of those. Do you want to get us to get us started on your seventh pick? Absolutely. So, tell I, us where it stands. I actually, again, these are not in order. These are in, there's not an order of preference. These are order, order of score. These are order of score. So, I actually I counted both the tomato meter, the number of reviews, the audience score, and I actually threw in the IMDb score for fun. Take it easy. It's wow. not the IMDb I show. Yeah. I know. I just went with the raw Rotten Tomato score. Although for I didn't sure. note how many reviews. First of all, my list. F- honestly started com- being comprised mostly of 90s comedies. Mine too. Which, because I, I may be nostalgic of for course. them. I don't yeah. know. But I, I was building my list and I thought, 
this is probably Joel's list. So, uh, <laughs> so I actually, uh, I want to start with a movie that I really like. It came out in 2008. It's called 21. Oh, the, the blackjack movie. Yes. yes. So 21 is a fact-based story about six MIT students who were trained to become experts in card counting and subsequently took Vegas casinos for millions in winnings. Got 38% on the tomato meter with 169 reviews. So well, there's a larger sample. Right. Um, got an audience score of 66 and, and it was IMDb 6.8. What was the, what was you know, the so score again? It's 38. So 38 to 66? Quite low. Yeah. And which I was like, that was the one that I was like. Hey, that I thought that was a pretty good movie. Everyone I've talked to is like, I kind of like that we one. We should we should point out too that the official score, quote unquote, for Rotten Tomatoes is a critic score, meaning approved critics. Yeah, their list of approved critics. That's where their score goes. Right. Everyone else, the unwashed masses, they get put in the audience score. So mm-hmm. that's why there's despair. Like it's rotten according to the critics, but the audiences gave it a. It's fresh, so good yeah, when there is the disparity there, and yeah. that's maybe not as high because you said about sixty six. Yeah, it's like a thirty percent. Yeah, but generally, like audiences will sometimes be kinder, sometimes be a little bit more yeah. harsh, and are way opposite of what either snooty critics are. Yeah. Either way. Well, not to belabor the point, I don't want to get into it on this show, but like The Last Jedi, for example, is like 98% on the tomato meter. And it's the basically is, almost perfect. The audience score is pretty low, yeah. you know? Um, so it's kind of nice when they're close. Also, I want to point out this movie is starring Jim Sturgis, Kate Bosworth, and Christopher Plummer. <laughs> well said. <laughs> Every movie that has Tim Christopher, Plummer, Christopher Plummer in yeah. it. I remember liking this one. I probably would give it a B minus at that point. Like it was fine. I mean, I thought it was perfectly fine. I like. Yeah, I perfectly actually watched fine. it. I watched it on Netflix like two months Why ago. Did it get such low ratings though. It seems like it was kind of an average movie. Why, yeah. why did the Let's give it, it a re ranked one. I'm going to give it somewhere in the 60s. I'll give it a 65 percent yeah. tomatoes. I, it's three. Yeah, I give it 60. I give it a fresh rating. Yeah. It's above average. I I think so. That's why I was surprised. To Some see of these we may not be very happy with each other's results, but no. still. Well, I actually I, I I'm gonna just say this now. I am put at a big disadvantage. Hey Zach, welcome to the show. Let's hear about all the bad movies that you like so people can judge you about it. <laughs> actually, this isn't a bad he's movie. no jerk. <laughs> yeah. But this isn't a bad movie. And Jacob's taste in movies is terrible too. Oh, mine gets much worse. <laughs> well, it's meant to be. Good. All right. All right so mine is at forty percent and it came out two thousand two. It's equilibrium. Uh, Christian Bale? Christian Bale. Uh, Also has Sean Bean and Emily Watson and Tay Diggs. In an oppressive future where all forms of feeling are illegal, a man in in charge of enforcing the law rises to overthrow the system and state. Rotten Tomatoes, so that was IMDb synopsis. Mm -hmm. Rotten Tomatoes, they usually compile the reviews and a staff member writes like a synopsis of generally what critics say. And it's usually a slam for these movies. And so they say... Equilibrium is a reheated mishmash of other sci-fi movies. You could say that about pretty much everything like, in the oblivion, genre. You know, well, did Equilibrium come out before or after the Matrix? It came out after, after just three after. years after. Oh, it is that far? Yeah, because I always kind of equate those two in my brain, just because uh, Matrix was a black hole movie, meaning I was out of the country not yeah. seeing movies at the time. And then Equilibrium. Well, came it's out, a gunplay movie as well. It. In fact, I'm trying to remember if I have seen it, Kent. Oh, I think you've seen. Wait. You haven't seen Equilibrium? I'm trying to remember I feel, if I okay. have seen it. Does Gun Kata make any sense to you? Uh, I'm looking to see if I gave it a rating because I've gotten to the point in my life, Kent, where I've seen too many movies to remember if I've seen movies. You know that feeling. So this one, yeah, exactly. This one has like low budget special effects. It was made for $20 million, uh, made by Kurt Wimmer, and it only made $5 million. And the reason why is because they shelved this movie forever because of Columbine. And actually, there's a few movies oh. on these lists that were pushed for gunplay. And so it was never actually got the wide release, but still made $5 million worldwide. So it took a loss, but still. Uh, audience score on this one was 60%. So not a ton of disparity, 40 to 60%. 
And uh, yeah, it's it's fun. It's kind of like 1984, the action movie with a really stinky premise. But at the same time, there's some beauty to it. And Christian Bell is always good. Stinky premise? It's kind of a stinky premise. It's just a weird way to say it. (laughs) That's what they actually called me back in college. Stinky premise? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I would like to see this one as like a TV series because there's the clerics and they're basically the cops of this utopian society. And there's the resistance. And both have their goals in mind. And yeah, I really recommend everyone watch this movie because it's not perfect, but it's really fun in a John Wick style sort of way. 40% Rotten Tomatoes. Joel, what's your number what do you got, seven? I was just looking. I don't have a rating for it, so I don't know if I've seen it or not. On Rotten Tomatoes. I Actually, that's how I keep track a lot of times. I pull up a movie and I pull up my score. Mine actually, well, it got a 22%. So low. Wow, you're this starting my low. Highest. This is my highest. 22% on, from the critic score and a 91% on the audience score. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, it's 1999's The Boondock Saints. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so, so have you put this one? Boondock Saints. If wait, you wait, don't wait, 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 wait. How many F words in this one? I don't know. I have the, <laughs> I have the clean flicks version. According okay. to Joel. So None. give us the synopsis. So synopsis. Two Irish Catholic brothers become vigilantes and wipe out Boston's criminal underworld in the name of God. So it's these guys who feel like they have this calling to kill bad guys. And it's uh, Norman Reedus, if you yeah. don't know, from Daryl from The Walking Dead, like his little baby face. Yeah, Sean Patrick Flannery. Sean Patrick Flannery from, what does he do, like Jiffy Lube commercials now? Or <laughs> He kind of looks like Billy Campbell. <laughs> no, but, uh, and Willem Dafoe is in it a well. Yeah. But this is one of those movies that, and I say I got it from Clean Fix because it was one of those that was, I think it was in a bargain bin. And when they were kind of clearing out their inventory and mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll watch Boondock Saints. Why not? It was like you know, a couple bucks. And I watched it. And I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was so crazy fun. And it is crazy. Troy Duffy, who is the director, uh, he, I think he was a bartender. He was, yeah. And then he wrote the screenplay for this and it didn't really get picked up. And then they chose him to actually direct it as well. And then they dropped the funding. And oh. it went, ended up like they had this whole, like they had some, another company coming, an independent company. But this definitely has kind of an indie feel to it. It's kind of sloppy. It's his first stab. It's kind of like drunken violence up on screen. Like this would be one. Like you saw a student film at a, at a like a student film festival, and they showed this film. It would be the best thing ever. Yes, and it's a blast. I'm sure you didn't see the one character that his only lines are swear words. The comedian guy Joe who gets his finger cut off. I think so. Yeah, he's there. He swears every he he single kills sentence. the cat. Yep, that's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a cat that dies in this one, just so you know. Uh, budget of $6 million, and it made 30000 because it was only released for like one week because this was right after yeah. uh, Columbine. And so they delayed the release for a while, and then they just did a straight-to-video. And like, never mind. We don't want, we don't want that out there. And It's such a college movie, though. It's so college. Yeah. Okay, so I own this one. I watched this one just today. Uh, like I said... Uh, That's why you're all amped up. I am. Yeah. Uh, so I was able to, and it was, it was in the background as I was doing other stuff, but I was able to watch this one today and it was funny to watch it again and be like, wow, it's really not great, but it's still really fun for me. Also, it got a sequel. It did. It did. Uh, Boondock Saints 2, All Saints Day. And there's yeah. talks of a third one they've been trying what? to do. And it really is just kind of this weird, it, it got popular because of word of mouth. Everyone's like, you got to see this movie. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane action. Because these two guys who don't really know what they're doing, but decide to take out mob bosses, but they're guided by a hand that things just kind of happen good for them. Right, and it does beg the question, is vigilante justice okay? And that's one thing I really like about this is that uh, at the end, they have this conversation of like, is it okay to just have these people just kill bad guys? And like, there's yeses and there's noes, like interviewing people. It's fun to watch. 
like I said, a box office of 30,000, but then it made 50 million in domestic video sales. What? This became like the hot topic movie. Yeah, and <laughs> speaking of Hot Topic, you could probably get the t-shirts of Boondock Saints at Hot Topic. I wanted to get one for the longest time. <laughs> really? I did. <laughs> well, Christmas. Yeah. So there this you go. Year. I chose Boondock Saints at 22%. All right, Zach, what do you got next? All right, so for number six, I am going to head back to 1982. I'm just going to say this. A British student at a 1960s American high school must prove himself to the leader of a girl's gang whose members can only date greasers. That's right. <laughs> It's Grease 2, starring cool Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> this retroactively got a 38% on the tomato meter, has a 53% audience score. Zach, you like this one? I actually like Grease 2. Because Michelle Pfeiffer's in it, or Michelle why? Pfeiffer's great. They have Cool Rider is a great song. Uh, the song about bowling is fantastic. Okay, okay, you just said it's the song not, about bowling. You didn't even say the title Family friendly. <laughs> Oh, 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 what's it called? What's it called? Family friendly. It's family friendly. I'm going to look it up now. Um, Yeah, they they sing the song about uh, all the seasons at the I'll be yours in winter when the snow is on the ground. I love it. Explain this story to me. It's exactly the same as Grease one, but gender swap is (laughs) (laughs) Michelle. Is Michelle Pfeiffer. Is she Danny Zuko's cousin? No. Can you not seen Grease too? I seen it when I was a kid. You no, should, you should but watch it for the the oh, I don't the, know ma- I want to. the male is Sandy's cousin, who's British. That's it. But Sandy's Australian. I knew there was a cousin. Yes, but they both have accents, so it's all the but same. Rizzo's yeah. back, right? Rizzo Rizzo had to go back to high school because she's a beauty school dropout. Is this like Styles in the Teen Wolf movies? He always yes. has to follow the action. Yeah. Okay. She's the it's, only tie to the original. It's not good, though. Oh, it's not good. Well, okay. And I love it and have it on DVD. At the risk of <laughs> offending you, Zach, I will say this. I used to love Grease, and then I realized Grease is not that good. Grease is terrible. It, I, the, music, a, the music wait, is fun. The story is awful. It's is, terrible. Is, is hey the sequel kids, better? Hey, kids. No. Change, <laughs> change yourself to be liked. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens in the second one. I... Like it better than Grease One. Whoa! I have more fun Zach, watching this, it. This is your first show. Yeah, yeah. I know. As a host. usually, we try to upset people like two years. Dropping some bombs. Most of our listener is Grease One fans. <laughs> every, do, time, okay. every time we ask them, do they take off in a flying car in a fantasy sequence at the end? No, but he does do a really big jump on a motorcycle over a cop car and maybe dies. What? It's crazy. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen it. Should yeah. I do a marathon with this and Xanadu? Yes. Oh, Xanadu is so good, though. For a sleepover? Xanadu is way better. Yes. Okay, we're having a sleepover. Yep. Put, yeah, when this all clears up, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Grease 2. It's, Grease 2. It's, well, that was brave. What this, was the percentages on that for This audience? was 38%. And the uh, audience gave it better? And the audience gave it 53. This was actually the first movie I put on my list because I actually started mine by walking over to my DVD cabinet and then looking at the scores of the movies that I thought might be low. See, I, I Grease saw Grease 2, of course. I should have done that. I would give yours a 40%, probably. Oh, I, I would I would give mine a, an eighty-seven. Wow! Stop it! Oh yeah, I <laughs> no, should say really. by the way, uh, yeah, Boondock Saints. I would probably give that like an 85, 80, 88 kind of. I am surprised it's so low. Yeah, I give it a seventy-two percent. I'm not surprised Greece is low. Greece two. Yeah, Greece right. two. I haven't seen it in a while, but it's probably like a ninety-seven. I think it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my next choice is also a forty percent. So going nowhere near Joel's low scores yet, but it's Speed Racer from two thousand eight. <gasps> You know, that's a good choice. Has 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. A young driver, speed racer, aspires to be champion of the racing world with the help of his family and his high-tech Mach 5 automobile. Rotten Tomatoes says, overloaded with headache-inducing special effects, speed racer finds Wachowskis focused on visual thrills at the expense of a coherent storyline. 
A little bit brutal. Uh, uh, granted, not they're entirely wrong. The the visuals are key here. Yeah. Fantastic is the word you're looking for. Absolutely fantastic. The visuals are amazing. This is the Blu-ray test And it's movie. weird because it's 2008, so Blu-rays were kind of new. Mm-hmm. And this is still great on Blu-ray. You could probably find it on 4K and it would still shine. Yeah. And this is the Wachowskis. And, but the story and the acting, the dialogue, it's meant to mimic the anime series. And so it is a little bit cheesy. Like there's a, a lot of it. There, there's a monkey. A chimp. Um, sorry. There's the the villain in this is a shadowy figure in mm-hmm. this one. I don't give too much on that. But in in Trixie, we have Christina Ricci in this movie, which is never a bad thing for any Your movie. Your eyes just lit up when you said a Christina little bit. Uh, this was a failure. It was made for 120 million. It only made 93 million, and it's PG and it's two hours and 15 minutes. What PG movie should be two hours 15 minutes? Sound of Music. Is it? It's actually like a lot longer. Well, okay, older G. movies. But Speed Racer seems like it was kind of made. Like it, it's almost like... Made for kids, but they didn't know the, that kids have short attention spans? A little bit. And so it is kind of made for us that need the visual flair and maybe a brain dead sort of movie. But at the same time, the visuals are enough to keep me there. And I, yeah. I actually love this movie. What was the... So it's 40%. I do think that this one, honestly, would probably be 80% for me. Like a straight 80%. It's not perfect, but I, I own this one. I could watch it every year. I'd go a little higher, probably say 85%. Would you? Okay. I actually had to uh, take a second pass at this one. The first time I watched it, I got a really bad headache because it was, it's really, there's a lot of flashing. Yes. There's a lot going on on the screen. I actually got a really bad headache and got a little nauseous. I had to turn it off. So I had to try twice to see this one. Yeah. And that's worth not it, a good worth it though. Worth second it. time good? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so my next one, uh, it's a 1994 movie. It got 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. Or, yeah, of course, on Rotten Tomatoes. And the audience score, 36%. So audience didn't like it either. It's Clean Slate. (laughs) Dana Carvey? Dana Carvey, yes. Wow. Synopsis is, a private eye who suffers total amnesia every 24 hours is deeply entangled in a complicated murder and theft case. And it stars Dana Carvey, Valerita Golino. If you don't know her, she was like the it girl for like mid-90s movies. Mm -hmm. And Rain Man and Big Top Pee Wee. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, another yeah. low scoring one uh, also stars michael gambon james Earl jones brian cranston and kevin pollack what bit parts sure uh brian cranston but this is one of those movies where he forgets every day every time he goes to sleep he loses his memory but it's, it's like memento detective. with Danny Funny you should say that okay because uh i don't know if you knew this kent but the camera operator one of the camera operators on the set of clean slate christopher nolan <gasps> Nah. April Fool's. Oh. <laughs> uh, I was like, you hack. Now, six years later, he did Memento. Right. But uh, my friends and I, for some reason, thought this one was hilarious, and we would quote it to each other, like random quotes. Is this when you just needed to be fed with anything Mike Myers or Dana Carvey at this point? Is this SNL glory days? Yeah, well, this is and this is after Wayne's World when Dana Carvey was a big hit, but for some reason, and I had a huge crush on, on uh, I can't ever say her name right, but Valeria Galino, and just stupid, dumb things like... We would quote part where he would like he would say, see, si, yes, amigo. And for some reason, every time I say see si in Spanish, I want to say yes, amigo, because of this movie. Is that why you, you like Master of Disguise so much? You just like Dana Carvey. I know you hate Master it. Master so. of Disguise is one of my worst hated movies of all time. <laughs> Makes sense. And it's funny because clean like Dana Carvey never really found a vehicle for himself in film. No. But this is one where I legitimately like it. And you if you haven't seen Clean Slate, it's it's a PG thirteen. It's a soft PG thirteen if it's PG thirteen. Okay. Maybe. I it's I should look at the parents guide on this more. Probably a lot of innuendo on yeah, this one. At mm-hmm. anything. But it's yeah, it's definitely one of the cleaner ones. So there you go. Clean, clean slate. slate. 
And I would give this one, I would give this one like a 72%. Okay, I'll give it a 68%. I've never seen it. It that, makes sense. That's, that's me. I'm, that's my Jake. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's a good Jake. Yeah, yeah. you sounded just like him. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give my five. And I'm going with a nostalgic pick here. This is kind of well known to uh, be enjoyed, but also not very critically acclaimed. From 1991, Hook. Directed by Steven Spielberg. Hook is fantastic. When Captain James Hook kidnaps his children, an adult Peter Pan must return to Neverland and reclaim his youthful spirit in order to challenge his old enemy. 28% on the tomato meter. I don't get it. Isn't that insane? 76% on the audience score, though. Rotten, that's low. not that high. Rotten Tomato says, The look of Hook is lively indeed, but Steven Spielberg directs it on autopilot here, giving in too quickly his sentimental, syrupy qualities. This is also my number five. Oh, you oh, guys matched. Absolutely. Well, hello. You, you matched on like number two? Yeah, we did. A- absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I think Hook is really fun. Granted, I did see it when I was younger. And so I think that maybe has something to do with yep. it. But um, I, Spielberg's even said, he's like, I really, I only like that movie until they get to Neverland. And then it's. He actually you know. says he didn't really like working with all the kid actors, which uh, is surprising because he's, he's good with kid actors. But I guess they were just too unruly. Uh, no, with Steven Spielberg. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, so he just said it was hard to direct everyone, but he says he'll never regret that movie because of his friendship that he made with Robin Williams. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I love this movie. Like, legitimately love this yeah, movie. Yeah, Bangarang. Bangarang, Peter. I think, it's, I think it's really fun. I love Dustin Hoffman in it. Yeah. I think he's Good fantastic show. as Hook. Good show. Bad form. Bad form. <laughs> stop me, Smee. Don't, don't stop <laughs> me now, Smee. Don't stop me. Stop me. Which stop me, Smee. Pick he kind of, but he disappears into the role. It doesn't yeah. seem like Dustin Hoffman no. at all. No. This movie is kind of fantastic. It's very creative. It does kind of go fan fiction-y, but in a way that feels heartfelt. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just such a nice movie as it well. It also uh, gave us Dame uh, Maggie Smith uh, looking like she's 60 back in the 90s. Yeah. She was in her 50s, I believe. And then they made yeah. her late 70s yeah. in the movie. She's always kind of looked that age, though, I think. That's even what I'm saying. Like, like, 24. She looks the same then as she does in Downton Abbey now. Yeah. It's kind of bizarre. Spoilers. She's coming up again on this list. Oh, okay. Dame this, Maggie Smith? Maybe. This what? movie was made for $70 million. It made $300 million, So yeah. quite a profit there. It's a, it's a huge success. I think it's well regarded. I'm sure the video sales were fantastic. Yeah. What was the percentage again in this one? It was 28%. Yeah, it was higher than any. I didn't get that high. No. <laughs> this wouldn't even you make it for you. You wouldn't make it. Yeah. I d- don't really fully get the hate for it. I don't either. Especially 28%. I mean, I, you could say like, oh, it's fine. So but. I watched this with my kids a couple weeks ago. And they weren't as into the magic because it's like a lot of the flying scenes weren't all that good. The effects are a little bit dicey. But the food fight. The food fight is fun. They really got into that. Mm-hmm. And also they were shocked. They're like, wait, that's Peter Pan? And I'm like, yes, the movie is taking effect. Because um, he's a selfish person to begin with. Exactly. And he, you, he, you transition with him as he transitions back to being Peter Pan. Yeah. It's a magic. Oh, there you are, there Peter. You are, Peter. Welcome back to Neverland. Pant the man. <laughs> and then Rufio. Oh. Oh. Oh, Rufio. <laughs> also, when the kid rolls up his legs. And rolls down and the rolls plank. Down, we watched that seven times. <laughs> I had to keep rewinding it. The best scene in the movie. Oh, man. I love the score yeah. in the movie, too. Oh, it's beautiful. I actually was... I once... I had a call center job. Anyway, I, I had a call center job, and the hold music was the score for Hook. Oh, hey. And so I found a way to call into my own phone and put myself on hold so I could listen to the hold music when it was... And that's John Williams, too, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. And that's uh, just... It's beautiful. This, I like would be, it. this would be like a 95% for me. Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of this one. Slow, slower, yes, but so well done. Yeah. Because I, I saw it. it as a kid. Yeah, I'll give it a 
I think I realized as a kid, I never really watched the beginning because I don't really remember the not in Neverland stuff. As it's well. kind of dark. But yeah, it's it's in the 90s percent for me yeah. as well. The children uh, were screaming. That part scared me every time. <laughs> yeah. as a kid. Oh, with the with the, um, the, hook, the hook in the wall. The yeah. wall. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. All right, Joel, what's your number five? Uh, my number five got 17 percent. Uh, it's from 1993, and it's National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1. Oh, wow. <laughs> I wondered if Loaded Weapon would make it on this list. Is it just because you love Lethal Weapon so much? I love Lethal Weapon, but this this parodies... Uh, so this is a, a spoof movie. Uh, it parodies mostly Lethal Weapon, but it also... Oh, uh, let me read the IMDb synopsis, if I may. And I'm going to read it exactly as it's written. A spoof on Lethal Weapon, 1987, other movies, TV commercials, etc., Two unlike L.A. cops investigate a cocaine in Girl Scout cookies case. <laughs> Was someone on cocaine when writing that? Probably. Wow. Uh, but this stars Emilio Estevez, Samuel L. Jackson, Kathy Ireland, Tim Curry, William Shatner, John Lovitz, Dennis Leary, with cameos from Eric Estrada, Corey Feldman, Whoopi Goldberg, Phil Hartman, Bruce Willis, Denise Richards, and Charlie Sheen. So it's a 90s movie, totally. Through this and through. Is, oh, totally. And it's an amazing one if I could ever connect it through Bacon so when we play our game. Oh, that's a good yeah. call. It has all these people in it. The only um, part I remember from this movie is when he walks into his trailer, and it's a very small trailer from the outside. It turns into a TARDIS, basically. He walks in, and it's a huge mansion with yeah. like pillars and marble stairs and everything. So I own this one. You do? I do, and I watched <laughs> it today, and I laughed. And there was a lot more stuff than I remembered like in regard to innuendo. not family-friendly. Yeah, okay. innuendo stuff. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's a, a, a naked bum as well. Ooh, not a clothed uh, bum, but a naked but bum. But it's done for laughs in that regard. Yeah. But this came out in 1993, and like I said, it's a spoof on, on like, and this is why it's a time capsule of 90s. Like, it spoofs Basic Instinct, Die Hard, Dirty Harry, Silence of the Lambs, Wayne's World, 48 Hours. Like, it's just like, that's the era. This was pre-Samuel L. Jackson hitting the mainstream. Yeah. 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 And he's like, he's just one of the goofy guys on there. But once again, the, I, I own the TV version, and it was an extended cut. ABC released an extended cut where they put in the deleted scenes. So when I watched my DVD, I was disappointed that some parts weren't in there. But I still laughed and I, I did enjoy even the box was funny. It says things like shorter than dances with wolves and on a scale of one to ten. That's it. That's what it says. <laughs> OK, I respect that. And this was the guy. This guy ended up uh, the director for this one. Gene Quintano, uh, also known as Quentin Tarantino. That's what I read it, but it's not really him. right. Has he done anything else? He did a lot of police later police academy movies like uh, police academy five. Oh, four, three, four, and five. Oh, so so he did Citizens on Patrol. He so did. he's good. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. My uh, number seventeen or seventeen percent is National Lampoon's Load of One that you own. It's so I do, and it's so goofy and it's so terrible, but I laughed and I enjoyed it. And I'm I can you recommend it to anyone? If you like those types of movies, like if you like those spoof movies, spoofs before they got really really tired. Yeah, like like I don't. Like the scary movie ones weren't that great until like yeah. four. When you for hit me. the year two thousand and you get scary movie, epic movie, date movie, all those sort of stuff, it's, yeah, they're not it's good. ruined. They're not good. But like this is like in that vein of airplane where it's this goofy screwball type comedy that they're literally just certain lines they just kind of throw away a line for no other reason just to get a laugh. Yeah. Or someone will have like something silly on their head for a shot. I'll watch this. You I'll rewatch should. it. It's been a long time. I could let you borrow it. I find myself mixing this up with the uh, hot shots. Hot Shots is great. I also own that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's, both that's Charlie Sheen. That's not Emilio Estevez. Right. right. Yes, yes. Oh, very different. Very different. Very but right. if I were to give this one a score, I'd have to give it 81%. Okay. Because I really do laugh at this, but I acknowledge that it is really dumb. Really dumb. Okay, we'll check it out. 
All right, next up, we're at number four. Mine is a movie that comes from the year 2000, scoring 25% on the tomato meter. It is Gone in 60 Seconds, starring Nicolas Cage. A reti- <laughs> it scored that low? A retired master car thief must come back to the industry and steal 50 cars with his crew in one night to save his, to save his brother's life. What was the score again? 25%. That an wow. audience score of 77. That's one that of my, movie's freaking awesome. That's my highest discrepancy on my list. I saw that when I was 18, and I loved it. I mean, Angelina Jolie oh, with yep. blonde hair. Yep. Nicholas Cage when he's still kind of normal with yep. blonde hair with blonde hair for sure. Giovanni Ribisi doing with some some hair. work. <laughs> this is a movie of blondes. All the cars had girl names with blonde oh, yeah. hair. With blonde hair, like cars have hair. But yeah, it, this is a fun movie. If this came out now, it would do so much better. Yeah, because well, you you look at Fast and Furious movies, right. and they do well. Well, and here's the um, the Rotten Tomato synopsis of the reviews. Even though Oscar bearers Nicolas Cage, Angelina Jolie, and Robert Duvall came aboard for this project, the quality of Gone in 60 Seconds is disappointingly low. The plotline is nonsensical, and even the promised car chase scenes are boring. And I disagree, especially yeah. the last, like the... With the, Eleanor? The closing with the Shelby Mustang is yeah. so good. I don't like this movie that much. You don't? No. Why? A little too gritty, or what no, is it? I just remember like certain parts of it. Like Every time I ride my brakes like down a hill or something mm-hmm. like that. I think of him saying, right, she looks like the brakes have been ridden by an old granny or something like that. And I feel bad for riding my brakes down a hill. I put it in a lower gear. This was a movie had an effect on me. Yeah. But I didn't really like it. Huh? I never, I, I feel like it's typical it's summer average, fair average yeah. for me. Like I right. probably give this one like 61%. I feel like a 65 is accurate. Oh, I'm in like the 78 Okay, 78. I have fun with this movie. I also have so big, many numbers in this episode. I'm a big Nicolas Cage fan. So when he's like, I'm a little tired, I'm a little wired, I'm like, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> I get you, Nick Cage. Didn't Did you practice like, that dreads? before the show? Does I say it all the time. Angelina have like dreads, dreads in this show? does. Yeah, it's like yeah. blonde dreads. Very authentic blonde dreads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's a mechanic. So Charlie Stern copied that then when she oh, got blonde totally. Yeah, absolutely. Copied her whole career. Yeah. Well, I mean, in Fast and the Furious. <laughs> All right. My number four, it came out in 2016, also has a 28%. It's Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Wow. It's that low? What a surprise. Wait, what percentage? 28%. I was going to say it's that high. I'm kidding. That's Kent. the critic score. What the audience, you know what the audience is The getting? audience score is 62%. So barely fresh. So 28 and 62%. Synopsis, do I need to go there? It's Batman v Superman. Right. They're in a legal case. Rotten Tomatoes says this. Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice smothers a potentially powerful story and some of America's most iconic superheroes in a grim whirlwind of effects-driven action. Uh, directed by Zack Snyder, starring Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill. I can't wait until they release the Snyder cut of this one. <laughs> well, that's where I want to lead next. So this one was made for $250 million. It made $880 million. So turned quite a profit, but it didn't make the billion that every superhero movie hopes to make. The ultimate cut was released, obviously, on video four months later. Yeah. And this is where minds changed, because when this movie came out, obviously, it was huge. Rotten Tomatoes kind of broke because people were kind of upset with Rotten Tomatoes and the critics mm-hmm. that all yeah. basically loaded onto this movie. The ultimate cut comes out, and it was the 30 minutes that was removed from uh, Warner Brothers removed it stupidly because they said, hey, we want to put more butts in seats, so make the movie shorter, and we don't want this to be a three-hour movie, essentially. But the three hours explained the full story. And while some people may say it's tightened it up a little bit, for me, 
I didn't necessarily need it because I liked this movie when it came out, but the ultimate cut is the only one to watch at this point. And so after that, you don't actually get updated reviews on Rotten Tomatoes or even IMDb for the ultimate cut. Mm -hmm. But so many critics who hated the original movie changed their minds. Like people from like Forbes slash film, Digital Spy, Ebert.com, The Independent, The Rap, Slant, EW, they all said, why wasn't this released in the first place? I feel like this movie... It was released maybe five years too early because it kind of it takes a more serious approach. Some would say dark and gritty, but I would say it. Some would say boring. Yeah, I wouldn't at all. Some would, not me. Yeah, I was like Joel. You wouldn't say that, would I you? I gave an average score. Remember? Yes, you, you did. Yelled at me. I didn't yell at you. No, no, I said, no. I said for yeah, your three and a half stars. You're like, how dare you? <laughs> this is the best thing ever written. Maybe the best thing ever written. I think is because you like to uh, take shots at it, but then you actually kind of liked it. I will say I have not gone back and visited this very much. So you, everyone should. This is one, especially as we're all stuck at home, that everyone should visit if they because you have time now. No one can play three hours. What am I going to do? Watch The Office again? No, watch Batman v Superman. No, people are going to watch The Office again. You oh, just, of course. You just oh, no. you just I put that, that in their minds. I love this movie. I absolutely love it. I really, really like the original, but with the full comprehensive story this is great it's a very deep take on these iconic godlike superheroes and gives us a different view that is great so what percentage would you give it honestly is there a percentage high enough is there higher than 100 you're giving it 100 i would give it 100 percent. i do think it's interesting that they i really would like to see a rescore with the ultimate right i was surprised i i dug and dug because sometimes with like blade runner you'll see different review scores for Mm -hmm. like the final cut the director cut, the fourth director right. cut, and 19 others. This one, you can't find any updated score. So it's in canon on Rotten Tomatoes, 28%. I give it a 72%. I'd say that's fair from you. Um, what, what's the fresh? Is the fresh 60%? 60%. Oh, I definitely give it above that. What did Man of Steel get? 56%. Okay, I give it higher than Man of Steel. Oh, um, you do? I like Man I, of Steel more, mm, which is 101%. I think I like Man of Steel more. I, wow. I I like the Batman stuff, so that pushes it just a, not much, but a little bit above it for me. So I'd give it. Also, I'm pretty stoked because oh, wait, Jesse Eisberg's in it. Sixty-seven. Oh, yeah, right. No, yeah. I actually think it's great. All right, my number four uh, got a fifteen percent, but it's a comedy that I think we all like in this room. Fifteen percent, not Kent. I think me and Zach like in this room. Nineties comedy. Okay, nineties comedy. Nineteen ninety-two Encino Man. Yep. I knew you Encino would Man's put, great. I, I, 15%. 100% knew you would put this on your list. Of course I would. This <laughs> that is one of my favorite movies. That's a crime. I know. Well, but it was one of my favorite movies back in the day. Like my friends and I thought it was so cool. If you don't know Encino Man, when they find a frozen caveman in their backyard, two high school outcasts thaw him and introduce him to modern life where he in turn gets to gets them to actually enjoy life. And this was directed by Les Mayfield, who directed Back to the Future. No, excuse me. He directed the making of Back to the Future. <laughs> he also did Miracle on 34th Street and Flubber and Blue Streak. So he has some okay, other movies okay. too, but that I made me laugh that it was... Nice slam, know. yeah. Starring Brendan Fraser, Sean Astin, Polly Shore, and Megan Ward as Robin Sweeney. Did this I launch... a big crush on her. Oh, of course. Did this launch Polly Shore I think as this an was actor? So Polly Shore was doing uh, Totally Polly on MTV. And so Disney was like, hey... Let's bring him into this movie. And they were actually going to make him the caveman first. But then they oh. they found Brendan Fraser. They're like, he's going to be much better at this. And it did launch Brendan Fraser's career too. Yeah. But then Polly Shore, they actually built the character because they wanted to keep him in the movie. So they made Stoney as his character. 
So seven million was the budget, and it made forty point seven million. So it did quite well yeah. at box office, and that's early nineties money. So yeah. Uh, in fact, Steve Hansen, a uh, listener of the show, gave Bacon Cell the soundtrack to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, it brought Sean Astin back into light. It did. He was Goonies, yeah. and then he kind of went out, out of nowhere, and then mm-hmm. he came back with this. It's kind of the start of his like more adult career. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, adult career? Uh, he still looks like a kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, this was known as California Man in Europe, Asia, and New Zealand. California Man. <laughs> just, they don't know Encino. <laughs> I didn't know Encino. I didn't know Encino was a thing. Like, well, it sounds like... I didn't like know Estonia was a country until they told me in this movie. It sounds like a caveman term. Yeah. I actually thought it was for the longest time, and I was like, wait, that's a place? Yeah. What? What a likable movie, though. Oh, it's so much fun. Soundtrack's cool. They all know a dance at the end. Yeah, everyone... Everyone knows the dance at the end. It's like Teen Wolf. Well, I just love the idea that like you thought a caveman, he's just perfectly functional. Everything's fine. Yeah. And then he fits into high school and he's okay with this. <laughs> I don't know. It's just one of those weird things. By the way, Link, you remember Brendan Fraser's character, mm-hmm. Link. Uh, he made a cameo in Son-in-Law as Link. What? So like they're at a That's costume right. party. Connected and, universe? And then in the movie In the Army Now, starring, once again, starring, yeah, In the Army Now, starring Polly yeah. Shore. Uh, Brandon Fraser does a cameo as a soldier with the name Link. So apparently they just really wanted to bank on that Encino Man without actually <laughs> yeah. making a single sequel. <laughs> Make a, a sequel. Save it for our Polly Shore show. Check out Fresh Nugs, Weezing Juice. Oh, buddy. <laughs> and I give this one, this is probably like a 90, 89%. Whoa, this is a 70%. Straight this is, 70. This is a perfect, it's on TV, turn it on movie. Yeah. It's so much fun. If you haven't yeah. seen Encino Man, it's it's dumb 90s fun, and I think you'll enjoy it. All right, moving on to our next one. I'm going to I'm gonna tell you a little story. Back when Zach was a, a young college goer, we basically We don't had, talk about ourselves in third person. Either. We basically had three movies. I don't remember the third one, but one of them. <laughs> wait, <laughs> hold on. Wait, hold on. Hold we on. never this watched that one. Weird. Yeah, three movies. Three movies. Uh, I don't remember one of them. Uh, then we watched Failure to Launch. Why? Terrible. Terrible yeah. movie. And then this one starring Jessica Simpson and Dane Cook, as well as Dax Shepard. No. Employee of the Month. You like this one? I actually kind of do. And but, I think it's why? because we watched it a lot Nostalgia in college. glasses. 20% on the tomato meter. 53% on the audience score. Can you score. count this as Nostalgia. It's it, it reminds me of uh, my first year of college. Dax Shepard reminds you of your first year of college. Weird, right? Well, it's funny because Dax Shepard, he got a start on punk and everybody liked him. They yeah. said, oh, he's so interesting and he, he can play any character and surprise anybody. And then when you try to break yeah, I was more of a film, Jamie Kennedy experience kind of guy. Were you? <laughs> oh, man, he was so annoying. <laughs> but yeah, and he didn't really ever take off. And then Dane Cook tried to become a thing, too. Yeah. Who? Exactly. It, it was. It's a terrible movie, and I I was on like TBS recently. And I was like, Do they ah, kind of dang, work I in a Costco like sort of store? It's a Costco. Yeah. Okay. It actually like they closed down a Costco and filmed at night. Yeah. It's not good, but I like it. Like, I, do you think it's funny, or you just? I smile. I think it's. You I smile. Think it's entertaining. Yeah. No guffaws. Yeah. And like, keep in mind, we're not building up to like his ultimate favorite. We're building up to no, the lowest no. score. It could be the worst yeah. movie on the list. Although this at is, the end, we probably should pick the our favorite on the list. Oh yeah, I wouldn't put this high on my list, but I'm like, ah, uh, you know what? I kind of like that movie. I'll be honest. Employee of the Month. Okay, I want to know if anyone's seen Employee of the Month. <laughs> probably not. I've I've maybe seen it probably 15 times. This Because wow. it was just on. It was just on in the background all the time. This is one of those where you'd walk through the rows in Blockbuster and, and always look at it in your peripheral and then be like, oh, I'm not getting that. 
I mean, Jessica Simpson's pretty. I couldn't yeah, even tell pretty. you. A, I've seen it that many times. I couldn't but tell it's you like, a single quote. Should from I it. get Dukes of Hazard or should I get Employee <laughs> of the Month? Oh, Dukes of Hazard, because that's Johnny Knoxville, who also didn't make it big into film. No, and Sean William Scott. He tried. He tried. He tried. Yeah. All right. My number three has already been mentioned, but I want to save it till this point. It's the Boondock Saints. Hey. Nice. So Rotten Tomato says a juvenile, ugly movie that represents the worst tendencies of directors channeling Tarantino. It's violent. It's yeah. violent and it's it's vulgar. But well, I shouldn't. I it's choppy for me. <laughs> Yeah, my version. Well, the thing is, Tarantino, like at this point, he had Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown. Mm -hmm. Jackie Brown is not a very violent movie in Tarantino standards. Right. But he did have a style. And then a lot of movies came out after like Go. I don't know if you guys remember that one. I think it's also a 99 movie. But it had like the out of context storytelling. And then Boondock Saints was just straight up violent. So it did kind of feel like a Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction sort of thing. One thing that was cool yet weird about Boondock Saints is they don't show the action. They cut like they start like they're about to go into a room to shoot people. Yeah. And then it will cut and then show the cops come in looking at the scene and then he'll piece together what happens. So then you see what happens. Yes. Which is an interesting thing to do, but also kind of pointless. I, I really like it. It feels like a Guy Ritchie way of storytelling as well. It is, except for student filmmaker version of it. Yeah. Well, this guy clearly didn't really make films at all. No. Uh, but all I remember is Norman Reedus sliding in every room with double guns. <laughs> yeah. Like basically Tomb Raider. And that was every scene. Oh, there's a scene when they drop down from a ceiling and they, they're tied up in rope. So they drop down from a ceiling yeah. accidentally and they just start shooting while upside down, the two of them back to back shooting. It's one of the coolest things. Yeah. It's so cool. The style of this one, like we said, low budget, but still is really effective. It's it's a college poster type movie. Totally. So, Joel, I'm glad you saw this one edited because it has 248 F-words. Whoa. That's more than Zach said on this episode. Thank you, by the way, for editing <laughs> Thank that. Thank you yes. for editing that. He doesn't quite get it yet. I have quite a mouth. And from the parent's guide, we already mentioned this, but a cat is accidentally shot with bloody results. In parentheses, it is done in a very comedic manner. I've said it before and I'll say it again. When you have a cat death in film, majority of time it's done for humor's sake. It's sad. If you have a dog die, it's done for drama's sake. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's just the way the oh my gosh, Hollywood that's works. True. Uh, but the tagline for this one is, thou shalt not kill. It's the one commandment they cannot keep. <laughs> so they're, they're meant to be Catholics in this movie. It's a very Bostonian movie with yeah, the soundtrack Catholic, and everything. Yeah. The church they go to, the Catholic church would not allow them to use or film in a Catholic church. Probably, and so they actually why. used a uh, Lutheran building. Oh. And Lutheran said, yeah, yeah, we're fine with that. <laughs> Say you're Catholic, it's fine. <laughs> Come in our church. Uh, my number three is another Dana Carvey movie. <laughs> oh, boy. Here's Master of Disguise. No. I hate that. It's 13%, and it's, you know, if you like con movies, it's a good one. It's Opportunity Knocks. I don't remember this one I at don't all. Even I own this, this one is. as well. So this is another one I own. This is another one I watched today. A lot of time. Yep. But this has, by the way, it has eight reviews. And it's 13%. I'm, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Of course, with the audience score, it's 47% with uh, almost 4,000 reviews. Uh, synopsis. Two con men hide out in a house while the owner is away. One of them assumes the identity of the absent house sitter when the owner's relatives come to visit only, to, only for further complications to set in. And uh, this was directed by Donald Petrie, who did Mystic Pizza, Grumpy Old Men, Miss Congeniality, and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Oh. oh. Hey. I don't take a side. So starring Danny Carvey, uh, Robert Lo- Logia, Logia, how do you say his Logia. name? Logia. Logia. Uh, and then uh, Julia Campbell as Dr. Annie Malkin. You probably don't know that name, but I had the biggest crush on the You had a lot of crushes Annie. in the early I 90s. I did. Yeah. Uh, so I really did. <laughs> so this was Danny Carvey's actually his first starring role in a movie, and it was released during his third season of Saturday Night Live. So it was kind of 
it's pretty obvious in this movie. He doesn't really know how to act. That he's just trying to do bits. Oh, okay. So like he does. I mean, it's not, it's not aged great because there's a scene where he just fakes speaking Japanese for a while. He doesn't really speak it, but he has to fake it because he's a con artist. Yeah, can't get away with that now. He does an Indian accent another part. And then he one of the big moments of the movie is when he does a George W. Bush accent to fool someone into thinking the president H. is in w. the room. Yeah, H.W. Yeah. Bush. Yeah, George H.W. Bush. Not going to do it. Wait, he Not just pulled his SNL characters into it? Not his characters, but just like he's like, hey, look at all the funny things I can do. And But as a con movie, it works great because what happens is he they go to this house... And they find out the person who's supposed to be sitting isn't going to be there. Mm-hmm. So then they assume the role. And then the family comes in and starts thinking he's this guy. And he starts to grow close to the family. It's a, it's a love con where he's trying to get to this guy's money. Okay. But it's if you like con movies, it's a fun con movie to watch. Definitely dated, but still very enjoyable. So there you go. Clean Slate. Do you recommend Clean Slate? No, not Clean Slate. Yeah. Opportunity Do Knox. Do you recommend Clean Slate or Opportunity Knox? I own Opportunity Knox. Yeah. I don't own, I don't own Clean Slate. Yet. And Opportunity Knox also pretty clean i think there might i think it's pg-13 because i think you know how pg-13 movies in the 90s there's always that one f word they throw mm-hmm. in there yeah i'm pretty sure there is one right at the end in okay fact, pre- i am sure because and a bum for laughs not in this one but no bums all right we're getting down to the our top two so my second lowest on my list second lowest rated second lowest rated i i i tried to restrain myself because i love bad movies ironically I love right. a lot of them, and I grow to. I get very entertained by them. And at the right, end of like the day, the room, the room is is an honorable mention forever on my list yes, of these things. Birdemic. I didn't put it on there, you know, th- those things Tip-toes. because they're so bad. Because I, you know, I, so I still get entertained by them, of yeah. course. But I had to put on, and we teased it earlier, Batman and Robin from 1997. I actually have so much ironic fun with this movie yeah. that I end up actually really. Or is the it. soundtrack incredible? The end is the beginning is the end is the beginning Love is the so end. good. They have both of them. Uh, wait, what was the rating on this one again? So this one was rated at 11% on the tomato meter wow. with a 16% audience score. That seems low for like it, it was a tra- it was always a trashy superhero movie, but it seems low because the audience is usually oh, does, fine with that. Yeah, yeah, 16%. Can you believe that? Well, granted, I mean, people have gone in after the fact. Yeah, that's true. And, and written their reviews. Oh, in case you didn't know, Batman and Robin try to keep their relationship together even as they must stop Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy from freezing Gotham City. And Bane. That is not how I would describe that movie. But uh, I, How I, would you describe that movie? I don't know. It's not George a relationship George Clooney story. tries to be... It's a really good Bruce Wayne. Terrible Batman. No, he's terrible Bruce Wayne. He's, he's a, a bobble. He terrible. is Bruce Wayne in he real life. Not, no, he's no, bobblehead. I play a doctor. Um, I just think, <laughs> for, for me, because uh, the fantastical design of it, it, it it's such, so much like a cartoon, almost like an animated type thing, not as good as the animated series. What was series, the word? But, I remember watching a, a making of documentary of this movie or, or something, and they kept calling it, what was it, toyification or something? Yeah, I'm sure. Where they kept saying, we need to make this movie, we need to do more toy where it's yeah. like things that will make good merchandise. Well, and that's why they changed suits so many times. I remember I had like a, a the ice version of the Batman suit yeah. action figure, you know, cool the bat nipples. I, yeah. Whatever. And the Batman credit card. What, what did you just call him? <laughs> did you just call Zach? He's yeah. our guest, Ken. The bat credit so, card. He's made some uh, bad choices. Yeah. Uma Thurman chewing some scenery. This is one of some. the only movies where, and I think it's just because she's Poison Ivy, but I was really attracted to Uma Thurman. Yeah. And she made a great Poison Ivy to me. One of the few the movies, huh? I Kill Bill. I really yeah, Kill Bill for sure. I like this movie back in the day. Back in the day, I had the Batman and Robin poster. Yeah. I had the Batman and Robin hat. 
I was kind of into Batman and Robin. I, I have, uh, and it was mentioned on an episode of Bacon Sale, but I've listened to the soundtrack. Like it still holds up very good. Um, I, I don't know. I think this movie does what a movie should in that. I find it very entertaining. I do have a good time. I roll my eyes a lot and I smile while doing it. What's your thoughts on Batgirl? She, she's terrible. I told you she's terrible, uh, but canonically to, to make her Alfred's niece. <laughs> Is that what it is? I think so. Well, she's supposed to be Commissioner Gordon's daughter in most things, it right? It doesn't matter. Yeah. This killed Batman in film for a long time. But it also gave us... It made sure that Batman Christopher begins. Nolan, the former camera guy on Clean Slate, <laughs> could come back He was, bring by the way, Batman. He was, uh, Christopher Nolan was a camera operator. I actually did the research and found out what But not did. on Clean Slate, on just clean to clear slate. that yeah. up. Yeah. It did also give us the, the platform or the base for the universe that the Batman Arkham games... Have that that style okay, is so much more easy. I'm telling you, like the it, the the production design of the Arkham series is much more like Batman and Robin than, than the animated else. series. Yeah, I might agree with him here. Look at the neon. Look Having at watched the, Batman yeah. Returns and Batman recently, that that universe, of, I call it the. Uh, Pat, I the don't want to give it any credit, but you might be right. Yeah. I call it the Michael Goverse or the Pat Hingleverse. <laughs> Because that's Commissioner Gordon and Alfred, and they're con- constant through the four of them. <laughs> so dumb. But that is really Arkham. A lot of it is. Yeah, oh, man. So you know, again, it's not. It's not great. I. Those are like cardboard it. backgrounds in that movie. Yeah. Well, they're they were, um, painted. Yeah. Which they did the same thing in like Star Wars. They just did it way better. Yeah, a, a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. But fun. I have ironically great. Yes. Yeah. Every Admittedly, an ironic bad. choice, but but the yeah. puns by Schwarzenegger. So bad. Let's ice kick to, some ice. His ice puns, to see you. I don't know. His puns just left me so cold. Not, not, <laughs> no. Nope. He's just cheering in chill. the air. The when they couldn't find out one, they were just literally like, chill, <laughs> chill. Hey, Batman, what did the dinosaurs die of? The Ice Age. That, that's not a pun, Arnold. I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> It's almost like an X-Men. Uh, what happens to a frog when it gets hit by That's lightning? actually a clever That's line. That's a stupid line. It's a clever line. It I angers like me it. every time. Same thing that happens Bacon to Bacon Cell that it's a, a Bacon cool, clever line. He is not part of Bacon Cell approved. <laughs> How Two dare votes. you? It's the ghost of Jake is screaming Fine, right now. Fine, I get a half a vote. One and a half to one. Yep, Bacon Cell That's not. You need two votes. <laughs> oh, this is going to be So you're saying nothing is going to be Bacon Cell approved until Jacob gets back from paternity leave? Yep. Yep. No. <laughs> he he would bake and sell prove it just to make me mad. Yep, probably so. All right, my number two is wildly different from Batman and Robin. It came out in the year two thousand. It got nineteen percent. It's the beach. I have not seen this. I'm this is Leonardo DiCaprio, right? Yeah, and I'm super curious if you would like it because it's a very controversial pick. It's Some Danny people Boyle. love it. Danny Boyle. It's also written by Alex Garland. Who is that? Uh, he did Ex Machina. Oh, he also wrote Twenty Eight Days Later and Sunshine. Okay. Yeah, so he's worked with Danny Boyle quite a bit. And this was Danny Boyle a couple of years after Train Spotting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hit it big uh, before and after, like a couple of years after this was 28 days later. And then obviously some dog millionaire, maybe mm-hmm. just uh, eight years later. But the synopsis is Richard travels to Thailand and finds himself in possession of a strange map. Rumors state that it leads to a solitary beach paradise, a tropical bliss. Excited and intrigued, he sets out to find it. Rotten Tomato says, Critics say the beach is unfocused and muddled, a shallow adaptation of the novel it is based on. Points go to the gorgeous cinematography, though. <laughs> okay. Here's your trophy. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't totally adapt the book, because the book is more about this pop culture buff who loves video games and Vietnam War movies. What? Yeah. So that's the character he's based off of. They don't really take that. And so he really is this pop culture guy 
meets a crazy guy played by Robert Kyle in a hotel. And this guy's like, there's this beach and it's magical and you need to go. And so these four college kids basically on a trip around the world and they go to this mysterious island and it's like a cult like presence there, but it's not a scary cult. It's just like a drug induced cult. And it's strange, but there's one point in this movie where, and it's actually the point where I decided I loved it probably after seeing it because after I saw it, I was like, oh, I don't know if I like that after seeing it again, really liked it there's a point where he gets a little insane because he's been in the jungle for a long time by himself you see his point of view through a video game because he loves video games and it's like he's playing a video game and there's all these militia men out there that are trying to kill him it feels like scott pilgrim for a scene okay and you're going what is happening you could die drugs are bad but it's actually really creative and it's it's done with bite with danny boyle style which is phenomenal Uh, but yeah, it, it feels even more relevant now because this movie is kind of like these kids want to go somewhere that looks pretty to get the pictures and they want the experience. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a movie for Instagram influencers, like basically saying, like, be careful where you go. OK. Yeah. Can I watch this one? 19 hmm. percent. It's a darker type movie, but not bloody, just kind of gray characters. My number two is the second movie on my list to uh, feature Tim Curry. Uh, apparently, I like his uh, obscure roles. Oh. This is 1991's Oscar. Okay. You 12%. love Oscar, don't you? I really do. Well, you love it. I really do like this movie. And it's because, like, as a fan of, of stage productions, this is very much the, you know, the one setting, characters quickly coming in. All the, dialogue out all of the, the doors, time. A very fast-paced dialogue, witty banter the whole time, mistaken identities, uh, switched bags. Like, this is just fun for me to watch and enjoy. Uh, this does have a 63% on uh, the audience score. So it's, you know, it got fresh by the audience. What age did you see this first? Oh, probably high school. Uh, yeah, high school, 10th grade. I think I watched this when I was 11 or 12. And yeah. I was like, oh, Sylvester Stallone movie. And it's supposed to be funny. Mm-hmm. And it was too highbrow for me at well, that age. It's very not Sylvester Stallone. No. Like he's kind of miscast in my Well, opinion. he's a good writer. Just maybe not as good as translating the work. Right. So this is, uh, by the way, synopsis. A gangster attempts to keep the promise he made to his dying father that he would give up his life of crime and go straight. Uh, this is directed by John Landis, who did tons of stuff. American Wealth in London, Trading Places, the Thriller music video, Spies mm-hmm. Like Us, Three Amigos, Coming to America. So he has an eye for comedy. And this stars Sylvester Stallone and uh, Tim Curry, as I mentioned, and Marissa Tomei in her f- one of her first major film roles. Oh, cool. This kind of gave her mm-hmm. her start. Uh, this was made for $35 million. It, like I said, it's one setting, maybe two, and yet... That's a lot of money. Yeah, not a lot of... Like, did it all go to Stallone, you think? I'm betting it did, okay. because there's no real reason for that, and it made $23 million, so it didn't even make its budget back. No. I do own this one as well, and I did watch it today as well. You've watched a lot of movies <laughs> I today. I did. Wow. It, was back, it was background bad <laughs> this movies. This social distancing thing. Wow. I have four <laughs> out of the seven. I own four out of the seven. So uh, this is based on the Claude Mangier stage play, and it's a remake of a 1967 French film with the same name. They changed the setting, though, and some of the characters to make it a little more humorous. They set it during kind of the, the pro, uh, not Prohibition, yeah, Prohibition era. And it's fun to watch. It's a screwball comedy. Yeah. But, and actually, uh, originally it was supposed to be Al Pacino. They wanted Al Pacino in this role of a gangster who's going to go straight and stop doing a life of crime. And John Landis has said it probably would have done much better had it been Al Pacino in the role. But... I just really enjoy it. So you watch it today. Does it age well? The problem is I have such nostalgia glasses with this one. Mm-hmm. And so the lines, I can quote them by heart. Uh, certain parts, I, I, I was working as I was, you know, watching this in the background. And there's certain parts where I stopped just so I could look up and see the joke happen because I knew it was coming. 
and I still enjoyed it. I, I grinned ear to ear. This is probably yeah. my favorite oh, okay. of my seven. So what would you give it? Your your Rotten Tomato score? My Rotten Tomato score is still going to put this probably like a 90%. Okay. Because I acknowledge it's got some weaknesses. Most of it in Sylvester Stallone. Uh, but <laughs> yep. everything else is so much fun in this movie. If you like stage plays, if you like that farcical kind of stage play type, quick witty banter, mm-hmm. a lot of fun to watch. Okay. Interesting choice. Bacon sale. All right, Zach, before we give our number one choices, there's so many movies that have scored below 50%, but what are some of your favorite? What are some of your honorable mentions? Fly through those. Um, I know I I had actually a pretty long list. I had some that were higher um, up, like in the 40% region. I'm just going to throw out a couple. Uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, Mm -hmm. Uh, National Treasure, another Nick Cage movie. Wait, what did that get? Uh, 46, surprisingly, right? Uh, 51st Dates I thought was really fun. The Green Hornet. I know it's stupid, but I like that movie. I like Seth Rogen. Um, You like that one? I do. Stephen Chow. Wow. And then back to the ironic thing. I like Super Mario Brothers more than I probably oh, should. Okay. I know. Take it easy. No. Um, and then uh, Wild Wild West. I also, I've never really understood why people totally hate it. Like, it's not great, but Hey, Joel, who should we get for our, our guest host next week? <laughs> 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 and finally, A Night at the Roxbury, because I had to throw an SNL movie in there. Nah. Yeah. So many good points. I have a huge list. You ready? Yes. Lightning round? Go lightning round. Saw is 49%. Saw. The movie that catapulted all those sequels wow. and actually a, a movement in horror, Constantine, 46%, Karate Kid Part 2, 42%, Man mm. on Fire, 39%, Kingdom of oh. Heaven, 39%, Newsies, 39%. Wow. Newsies. Okay. Last Action Hero, 36 The Saint, 30 House on Haunted Hill, 30 Event Horizon, 27 Mighty Ducks, 23%. Joel, I'm probably oh, giving some of yours. Red Sonia, which I really like, ironically, 15%. Curly Sue has a 13%. That movie's adorable. Yeah, I think it's just because there weren't many reviews. Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit, has 7%. And there's a 0% I want to mention, but I don't know if Joel has it as his number one choice, so I'm going to save it. Joel, do you have honorable mentions? I have a ton of honorable mentions. Uh, Mortal Kombat, 47%. Mean. Big Business, 41%. Home Alone 2, 33%. Lost in Space, 28%. Condor Man, 25%. (laughs) That makes sense. Little Rascals, 23%. Mannequin, 22%. Ernest Scared Stupid, 70%. Dude, Where's My Car, 17%. License to Drive, 70%. Maximum Overdrive, 15%. Crocodile Dundee to 11%. Uh, Dracula Dead and Loving, 11%. And Supergirl, 9%. A lot of those are really bad, though. Oh, they oh, are. Yeah, they really are. Bad. But at the same Supergirl. time, it's like, ugh. So, all right. Go around to number ones. All right, Zach. What is your number one? Your lowest? The one that you the low, scored the, the lowest, lowest score. Like, it, yeah. was, it was mentioned in an honorable mention from you, Kent. My lowest scoring one that I really enjoy Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. Yeah. <laughs> you know G-O-D? Yeah, you know me. I Jennifer Love Hewitt. All the time. And Lauren Hill. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I was really surprised did to see like this on Sister the list. Did you like Sister Act? I did. I actually watched it. Um, it was my first quarantine movie I watched on Disney Plus <laughs> just like a couple weeks ago. It was just going to be something. I, th- I like to throw on movies with music in the background. Okay. And I found myself sitting down and watching it. Uh, I really liked Sister Act, and I remember I've, now, I've always liked the second one, too. Remind me, in the first one, she's running away from the mob, so she goes and joins a nunnery. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's the premise of the second one? They... I remember parts. They're trying to help... Uh, they tra- they basically call her in as a ringer. Rough kids, basically, as rough kids were coming in, and so she had to teach choir. It's Dangerous Minds? Yeah. Yeah, because they're, they're in Why a, is she a, a school, nun, a high school. They're just... You need they, to, everyone needs to go to Catholic nun? school. She's you, a Catholic you, nun still. You gotta connect with the kids, you know? By being a nun? Yeah. Well, that's the only reason they, or the only way she could get access. Okay. And Back in the Habit is a really clever title. It is. Uh, So the synopsis is, showgirl Dolores Van Cartier returns to Sister Mary Clarence to teach music to a group of Catholic students whose rundown school is slated for closure. 
It is starring so, Whoopi Goldberg, Kathy Najimy, and Kathy Najimy Dame in this role. Maggie Smith. Oh yeah, Dame Maggie Smith there is we in go. this one. So uh, I always thought the ginger nun was pretty cute. Yeah. Oh yeah. The mousy the, the one. The quiet yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this was one where <laughs> the ginger uh, nun. So my kids. <laughs> okay. So you know when the Disney Plus came out with the. Uh, uh, the big long video of all the things that were going to be on Disney Plus. It was oh, like yeah. Three hours three long. Hour trailer. Like clips yeah. of movies with, with titles. So we decided as a family, we were talking about Disney Plus, we watched it in parts as a family just because I was like making notes. And I started making jokes when I didn't know what the movie was. Like we, we put a paper up so you couldn't see what the movie was because I was seeing how many I could guess yeah. to entertain the kids. And I'd make up names. And I saw Sister Act 2 back in the habit. And then it became every time I didn't know what it was, I'd be like, uh, dog boy, back in the habit. And uh, kid falls down, back in the habit. It's your electric boogaloo. To the point where my Dad, kids... Dad, you know every movie. My kids thought I was just being funny, so they started saying back in the habit on everything too. And then when they saw there was an actual movie called Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit, yeah. they freaked out. Did you, did you watch it? <laughs> Not yet. We have, we have to watch Sister Act 1 first. Oh, yeah, you do. So maybe we should do that. So good. I think this movie's good. I like it a lot. And what was it's the good movie? Again? It got a 7%. And 61, 61 for the audience, but 7% on the tomato meter. That is a straight up 73% movie for me. Yeah. From memory, I'm going to give it about a 63%. I'm, okay. like, I'm like right at 80. Okay. Yeah. Kent? I, I like it. Now he did a 7% one, Kent. What, what's yours? Zero. You have a zero percenter? You win. I have a zero percenter. You win. Did we match on zero percenters? I don't think we did. Okay. Because this one... Cause yeah, good, because you can't finger boop. You will know why I like this so much. And it is one that I have seen more than most movies I've ever seen because as a child, this is one in the franchise that I went to more than the original. It came it out in 1987. Yep. Crap. And it's Jaws the Revenge. Oh. You have a 1987 movie as well? I have a 0% 1987 movie. Chief Brody's widow believes that her family is deliberately being targeted by another shark in search of revenge. <laughs> Jaws the Revenge, okay. kids? Yeah. I can't even tell you. You've revisited this more than others in the franchise? When I was a kid, there were movies that I watched like probably every other week. And my, so I had three sisters, and so I watched like Girls Just Want to Have Fun all the time. Right. I watched Never Ending Story all the time, right. and I watched Jaws of the Revenge all but of the time. But why that one? Most well, Jaws 3D is cool, but it's a little bit scary because there's like the deaths Every in it. Every Jaws movie is scary, but this one I could handle because Jaws growls. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Actually, no, that doesn't make sense. So to kill Jaws, spoiler alert for Jaws: The Revenge, <laughs> they throw like this sonar bomb on him, and every time they they flash the bomb, it's like a flash grenade. He jumps out of the water and he goes. And you're he like, turns to the Colossus from the X Men arcade game. <laughs> <laughs> Good reference. And you're like, sharks shouldn't be able to growl. Let me break down the story for this one. So one of the Brody boys, remember, there's two Brody sons in the movie, yeah. okay? And they're grown up. And they remember, getting... they both worked at SeaWorld in the previous movie. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them was Dennis Quaid. Oh my god. They've been recast because <laughs> the shark has a vendetta against the bloodline of the well, Brodies. Every shark dies, but it's a family member. It's like a Mama Jaws, Baby Jaws. Yeah, so one of the Brody boys. I knew it. (laughs) One of the Brody boys is working back in Amity, and he is killed by Jaws in an act of retaliation. Jaws kills him, the new Jaws, in an act of retaliation. So Ellen goes to find her other son, who is in the Bahamas, and his job is he collects conch snails, and so conch snails, snails. Not it says snails on the site. I I think think it's shells. shells. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens when you copy and paste. Yeah. And so uh, she goes down there. She says, like, you can't get in the water anymore. Jaws is going to find us. Remember, they were in Amity. The shark 
with the vendetta. It was in Amity. Which is up in like New England. Yes. And she goes to the Bahamas where her son is. And she says, you got to watch out. It just killed your brother. And so <laughs> Jaws does come down there. And they said, there will never be a shark. It's too warm. Jaws does find him and starts eating everyone around them. Including Michael Caine. And so Michael Caine, he actually forms a relationship with Alan Brody in this one. His name is Hoagie. And yeah. He and finds then, a plane. And, all, and Jaws also goes after the remaining son's daughter when she's on a little banana boat, which is a really terrifying scene, like a banana tube. And he goes after her daughter, like Joss can smell family relations. Thousands of miles away. Thousands of miles away. This movie made $52 million. So it did make a profit. And yeah, it was directed by a guy named Joseph Sargent. And he did a lot of TV, like original series, Star Trek, The Fugitive, Man from Uncle, Lassie, Gunsmoke. And I think this is probably one of his last film projects because this movie was so universally panned. Michael Caine lost his career for a while after this one. Jokes about it now. Mm-hmm. I watch this one so much. I'm not saying it's good, but I'm saying I have loved this movie. <laughs> it needs to be seen because it's so ridiculous. Oh, man. Jaws the Revenge. Jaws 4. Yeah, Jaws 4. Killed the franchise forever. Forever. Two's kind of forgotten in the mix, isn't it? Well, two's just kind of a redo of one. Yeah. Yeah. And then three is actually kind of cool, but the effects are really bad in the whole SeaWorld tie-in. Yeah, it's kind of bad. Pretty cheesy. But Jaws the Revenge. Okay. It's uh, like John Wick, but it's Jaws Wick. So it's Jaws Wick. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, Kent, that you chose the fourth installment in the franchise. Oh, no. Because I'm also picking a fourth installment in the franchise. Uh, 1987, 0%, Police Academy 4, Citizens, Citizens on, on Patrol. Uh, Citizens on Patrol. <laughs> Uh, 38% audience review. I thought you were so. going to pick Rad, which also has a 0%. Oh, I love Rad. Rad's so good, 0%. I don't know. Man, I didn't even see that on the list. Yeah, okay. Um, so Citizen, citizen, citizen Patrol, Patrol, the synopsis. The Misfit Police Academy graduates are now assigned to train a group of civilian volunteers to fight crime, once again plaguing the streets. <laughs> and I venture to say, gentlemen, this is the most success. It's the most successful film on my list monetarily. Is the cast better? I'm guessing it's probably the most successful monetarily. Uh, Hook, maybe not. Mm. How much did that make? Do you know? Batman v Superman. So this, this had a budget nine hundred million. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. Uh, but uh, seventeen million dollars is what this budget was. Most expensive police academy movie, and it made seventy six point eight million dollars. Wow. There's a reason they keep making these movies. Steve Gutenberg obviously is Mahoney, Bubba Smith, Michael Winslow, like the, the usual gang. But also you get like Sharon Stone's in this. David Spade is in this. Yeah. It's a little it's a little bizarre. And this I think the reason I like this one is because this was my first exposure to the police academy world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember we had Citizens on Patrol. We watched it pretty regularly. I thought it was hilarious how the one how hooks would talk soft the whole time and then be really loud at the end. Right. And Tackleberry obsessed with guns and Bobcat Goldthwait. Uh, I was screaming. Zed, just screaming. Look out for that plane. <laughs> it was pretty good. Do you think this is the kind of movie that would come out now like a playing with fire? That you'd be like, they're just making dumb movies for our kids. Do you think that was the kind of movie? Because each of these movies was panned back in the day. But they all did bank. They kept making money. I know, but we would hate these movies coming out now. We'd I like, know. It's terribly made. Who, it's, what audience is this for? And it's the fourth in a, in a comedy franchise. Yeah. We, we've said a number of times on Bacon Cell, and I believe it's true, comedies really shouldn't have sequels because they're usually just terrible because it's the same tired jokes. Right, right. And this was one, though, where it worked. I mean, just listen to this. It, I, I, want, I want to just read this part. It's talking about the plot of the movie. So a little bit of a spoiler alert here for Police Academy 4. Uh, <laughs> Proctor, who's like the bad guy's 
lackey. Yeah, like the deputy, yeah. basically. Proctor messes up and is tricked into releasing every inmate at, at the Precinct 19 jail, including a team of ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> it has ninjas in it, Kent. I mean, it's the fourth one. I mean, they should have got there by number three. Yeah. Uh, this debuted at number one at the box office, by the way. And it, the film was nominated for a Golden Raspberry for Worst Original Song for Let's Go to Heaven in My Car by Brian Wilson. Wow. From the Beach Boys. Is that when the years oh. when he lost it? Kinda? Including, yes, including the lyrics. I just want to read this and I read into it if you want. Let's go to heaven in my car. I want to drive you there tonight. Let's go to heaven in my car. We won't be stopping for red lights. He's going to straight up murder you. That's what he's saying. This is vehicular mm, homicide. Yep. That's a little bit dirtier, but that's fine. Well, they, it definitely is that. Yeah. It's definitely, if you listen to the rest of the lyrics. Also, Kent, these Police Academy movies, they're a little dirty. They are Oh, they totally yeah. are. Yeah. They totally are. Like this. But it's I, like Guilty Laughs with Your Cousins. Let's watch Police Academy 4. So yeah. But the thing is, remember, like Police Academy 1 was like rated R. Yeah. And then Police Academy yeah. 2 and 3 were both PG-13. This was PG. <laughs> <laughs> And so I'm pretty but sure it's it was 80s PG. PG, which means yeah. there's nudity. Well, yeah. uh, well, not exactly. Pornography guaranteed is what PG means back in, back the, in the 80s. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, this is one. I know it's dumb. I know it's stupid. And really, it's not a good movie. It's a 0% movie. And it, it probably deserves that. Yeah, I'm but, right there with you. But I got to give it like, I don't know. It's like a badge of honor, though. 66%. Oh, stop it. It's a zero. Keep it at zero. It's this is, worth it. In regard to liking it, though, this is oh. probably about 66 for me. Yeah. <laughs> 66%. We'll say that. What a great choice. Uh, so, wow. We both got a zero in there, can't yeah. we? Yeah. Proud so of you. So, there you go. There's our list. If you know of really bad movies that got uh, scored low on Rotten Tomatoes, go ahead and confess. Confess and let us know on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. Let us know what your favorite lowest ranked Rotten Tomatoes movies are. It could be one we already mentioned already. Mm -hmm. We'd love to find new. It's like rad. I probably would have put that on my list had, awesome. had I seen yeah. it on there. Yeah. But it's just hard to find them. But let us know what you what you think. And before we go, we'd like to give some love to our patrons. Specifically, the I Am The Listener tier, which includes Adrian Gray, Stephen Ross, Terry Finley, Crew Dutler, Braden Winterton, Chris Trout, Colton Cook, Jennifer Kukowski, Sean Sanquist, and disappointing Joel Weekly. It's a more civilized podcast. And then we have our Bacon Council, which includes Matt's Mudro, Ryan Farron, Chris Anderson, Nicole D. Hill, and Reverse Listener. Thank you for being patrons. If you don't know what patrons are, you go to patreon.com slash bacon cell. You'll get some extra content. We just did a little uh, kind of a COVID-19 uh, discussion on our last Bacon bit. So yep. patrons got to hear that. And then we have uh, uh, also just video reviews. I, my, a couple of my kids gave a review of Batman Returns recently. <laughs> that was good. So, you know, it's a lot of fun stuff there on, on uh, you can find it at patreon.com slash bacon sell. Give it a look. And while we're talking about that, I want to just throw out there, first of all, thank you very much for having me, but I haven't forgotten about our friend Jake. What I'd like you to do, go ahead and visit tpublic.com slash bacon sale. Get yourself a Team Jake shirt. Uh, Why not? No, I don't like that plug. <laughs> but if you want to find me, you can find me at 76 Joel on Twitter. You can find me performing with Quickwits. They perform every Saturday night at the Midville Performing Arts Center, or they will as soon as everything settles down. For more details, go to qwcom or go to the Quickwits Facebook page. If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews, at ShowtimeShowdown.com. 
Now, Zach, we would like you to plug yourself here. You will you. probably be back. Oh, thank you. Although the choices you made tonight <laughs> it's I, questionable. set me up to fail. Yeah, but yeah, feel free. Lay out a plug there, and we're making you do the outro as well. Well, so. thank you. Uh, you can find me on social medias at Tumbling Mustard. That's at Instagram and Twitter. Feel free to tweet at me. It's a good time. Uh, and may I also just throw out there, make sure you're following Bacon Sale on social media. That's at Bacon Sale on uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. Thank you so much again, guys, for having me. I sincerely appreciate it. But hey, guys, even though it may not be great, we really like it. So join us next time for Bacon Sale Part 2, Back in the Habit. Hey, Zach, welcome to the show. Let's hear about all the bad movies that you like so people can judge you about it. Oh, who's hipster now? I'm not hipster. I just have bad taste in movies, apparently. (laughs) Well, we knew that. Facial hair makes the difference. It's exactly the same as Grease 1, but gender swap. Is this like Styles in the Teen Wolf movies? He always has to follow the action? Oh, it's not good. And I love it and have it on DVD. Most of our listener is Grease 1 fans. We have Christina Ricci in this movie, which is never a bad thing. That's me. That's my Jake. It was a good Jake. Yeah. Yeah. You sounded just like him. Stop me, Smee. Don't stop me now, Smee. Don't stop me. Stop me. There you are, There you are, Welcome back to Neverland, Pant the Man. The children were screaming. Was someone on cocaine when writing that? Probably. On a scale of one to ten. It's a movie of blondes. All the cars had girl names. With blonde hair. I'm a little tired. I'm a little wired. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> I get you, Nick Cage. How dare you? <laughs> this is the best thing ever written. No, excuse me. He directed the making of Back to the Future. <laughs> well, they all know a dance at the end. Check out fresh notes, please, and juice. Ow, buddy. <laughs> we basically had three movies. I don't remember the third one. It's not good, but I like it. I have quite a mouth. You had a lot of crushes in the early I 90s. did. Yeah. Uh, I really did. (laughs) And a bum for laughs. Not in this one, but no bums. I call it the Michael Goverse or the Pat Hingleverse. (laughs) Batman, what did the dinosaurs die of? The Ice Age. That's not a pun, Arnold. I'm going to say it anyway. How dare you? The ghost of Jake is screaming. You could die. Drugs are bad. I always thought the ginger nun was pretty cute. This one I could handle because Jaws growls. <laughs> and you're he like, turns into the Colossus from the X Men arcade game. <laughs> Jaws can smell family relations. It's uh, like John Wick, but it's Jaws Wick. Cancel the apocalypse. Ray! Pardon me, is everybody here because of everybody's here? I want to thank you all for coming to the wedding. I'd appreciate you going even more. I mean, you must have felt better things to do and not a word of it to follow. Oh, I'm going to marry Okay.